I'm Christine Dolan, and I'm a journalist, and I know a lot of people know Mike Lindell because of some of the issues having to do with elections, but I know him in a different way. Last year, in the middle of the 2020 election, my back was killing me because I'm teleworking. So a friend of mine sent me a pillow that Mike Lindell manufactured, and it helped me to sit on a chair doing interviews, too many interviews during the day because we're all working off site. And then this year, because we're working off site and we, we all want to be comfortable. I tried Mike Lindell's slippers. Now I'm a big one on slippers because I like comfort. I have worn moccasin slippers all my life. And when I tried Mike Lindell's slippers, I couldn't believe this because it really does have four layers of cushions. It's like having very loose tennis shoes on. And it's easy because you really do wear them all night long if you're working like me from the early hours of the morning to the late hours at night. So I highly recommend Mike Lindell's slippers and his pillows if you've got a back problem and you're sitting down. Now, how you get the discount for this is very simple. It's on our site. CDM is the promo code for it. Promo code CDM is what we're asking you to do. Again, you will feel comfortable for your back with those little pillows that he has and also for the slippers that you can get from him. And now let's get to our guests. Um, today in American Conversations, we have Kevin Jenkins, who's one of the founders of the uh, Urban Global Health Alliance. Um, and Kevin has been all over the United States, 40 states, multiple times, and over 60 cities talking about um, vaccination safety. And Kevin, welcome, first of all. Good to see you. Thank you. So you're going to be in Washington, D.C. on January 23rd, the march to defeat uh, the, man the vaccination mandates. And you're one of the speakers that's there. What does this march mean to you, especially from the Washington Monument to the Lincoln Memorial steps, where that's where they have the stage? Well, you know, it, it it brings back, I was saying yesterday when I was in Sacramento, you know, that I was born in 1963, February 1963, and the march happened in August of that year. Um, and, and it kind of got me thinking that, you know, being born in the middle of the storm, being born in the middle of that change, that my life's work has culminated for me, that culminated me being here at this time. And I kind of reflected on that. And I kind of reflected on what was Mark Martin thinking about when he was 26 years old, when he could have been anything that he wanted to be. He could have been a professor, you know, in any one of the top universities. He could have ran one of the biggest churches, you know, because he was a part of his ministry of his, his father and his mother. And he could have been anything that he wanted. He was a, a brilliant man, brilliant young man, had a great background, great pedigree. And what he chose to lead and fight for us. He sacrificed himself for us. He actually listened to God's whisper in his ear to say, you know what? Your life was worth more than that. And we need, I need you. God said, I need you for this greatest moment in history. And that this young man, not only sacrificed his life for us, but he literally loved us enough to make sure that we understood that nonviolence, love, you know, and all the things that we should be focused on is the way you beat tyrants. This is the way you create the great change that you want to see in the world. And that's really, really a deep thing for a 26-year-old 
to stand in the middle of the public square and fight against some of the evilest people of his time, the tyrants of his time, from the corporate community, from the government community, from various communities all around the, um, the world and, and in this country. And that was real horror at that time. You know, Jim Crow was still in place. You know, that was real, right? And I got to tell you, I've been reflecting on that and thinking about my parents and thinking about what my grandmother taught me, thinking about the things that I saw, you know, in my lifetime that led me to come here at this part of my life to stand up against the tyranny of my time. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we have a sacred responsibility to do that, you know, and I say to myself every time, you know, why me at this age? But it kind of makes sense now that I reflect on it. Because, you know, I, I've done enormous things with my life. I had great opportunities in my life. And I believe that all of those things probably have value. But what does it mean if life as we know it will never be the same? What does it mean that all of these men and women sacrificed themselves for us and we are not going to do what's necessary to fight against our tyranny of our time? And I talked about my grandmother, Lily Mae Jenkins, what she used to always say to me, you know, injustice is injustice. You can't cloak it. It is injustice and you have to stand up against it, even if it's in your own community, even if it's in your own family. You know, you she said used to tell me she had to shame the devil and tell the truth, because when you tell the truth, you find God. When you tell the truth, you find the real essence of who you are. And I got to tell you, it's been a very, very rewarding cycle in my life. But it's also got me to look at, you know, what we have done to ourselves as Americans, what we have done to ourselves as humans. But looking at my community that I grew up in with all of the great promise that we had, with all of the things we talked about, about building these new cities, building these new communities, talking about how we can bring value to our children's lives. And as black Americans, as a group, we've dropped the ball. And because we've, we've cycled out our intellect and our spirit in the entertainment class, which doesn't really exist anymore like it was when I was growing up. This all manufactured. Like you don't have a Harry Belafonte anymore. You don't have a Sidney Poitier anymore. Mm. You don't have a Tony, a Tony Curtis that was marching in, in the civil rights movement, a Sammy Davis Jr., a James Brown, you know, I'm black and I'm proud. You don't have them anymore. These people don't even exist. That's, so, an, that's a very interesting observation. Right. And that's so for, very me, interesting observation. And for me, and the pseudo intellectual who has always been, I believe, the enemy of their own race, you know, I'm now saying that anybody that's not standing up against the slave passport and not standing up against a mandatory narrative that believe, gives people the impression that they can commoditize and control our bodies. Just after 60 years of us fighting, you know, for our civil rights, for all mankind, for all of us to have civil rights, which led to human rights, those people are anti-Black. So I have Black Americans that are anti-Black because they are forging this narrative to take our freedom away from us and they're creating and supporting public policies that are directly opposed to Martin Luther King. So explain that for the audience, because there, there, there's, there's a generation or two that comes after us, okay, that has no concept of who Martin Luther King is today, okay, or, or what, he, what his real legacy is. Because you're talking about a dichotomy, you're talking about a contradiction. I mean, how can you say that you're for human rights, but then again, you're for a slave passport? You're well, for that is, mandatory that, that, vaccine. I mean, it's it's it, it's a contradiction. 
It's an intellectual contradiction that is so so obvious. You wonder why anybody would say that they're for human rights, but they're they're against they're they're against human rights violations, but they're for the vaccine passport. Well, you, you, I don't think any of them are for anything but themselves. They, I mean, the whole con- like for instance, yesterday I, I was saying that Martin Luther King is not an Instagram post. Mm-hmm. He's not a Twitter post. Mm-hmm. He's not you know a Facebook post. He was a human being that heard God's whisper, right? And in hearing God's whisper, he took action and took the, his inner his inner God, what God gave him, to take action against all of the things that we know right now is happening all over again. So majority of black Americans and majority of the old civil rights movement, they sold him out. They commercialized his you're message. Talking, you're talking about today. They've sold him out. And, and the former uh, civil rights leaders that stood with him, they've sold him out too. Because they should be standing up against this more than anyone. They should be saying, wait a minute, we didn't fight all those years to move in front of the bus. We didn't fight for all those years for workers' rights. We didn't fight for all those years to get quality access to quality health care. We didn't fight for all those years to try to get adequate um, public education for us to be moving backwards, going backwards into the years, um, the, the decades of Jim Crow and racism and, and all the things that we know that harmed this country. Think about this for a half of a second. Mm-hmm. You have black mayors that ran on their blackness, that ran on the fact that they were for black Americans and they were going to do something positive in these cities for black Americans. And they did absolutely nothing. So that's why I call them modern day slave catchers. They are the guard dogs of the oligarchs. They are the ones. And guess what? This is not the first time this has happened in our communities. But no one understands the, the, the complexity of it because it's always mired in this race narrative which allows people to get away with things and say things that are not true. A majority of black Americans in this country don't subscribe to that. A lot of black Americans in this country really understand what's going on, but we've lost our way because Martin's message was much more complex than I have a dream speech or I've been to the mountaintop speech. He actually was trying to give us a pathway to teach us how to unify in any time in our lives to fight against terror. His tactics, his language, his letters, his passion, his vision, his connectedness, his God consciousness, all was given to us in a way that when we read the story about Jesus Christ, the whole Christ element, that's what Martin Luther King became. And, you know, young people, you know, don't get that information and don't understand it because in our homes, we don't talk about it anymore. We don't use it as the template or the infrastructure Right to understand that it is okay to be free. It is okay to own. It is okay to be family. It is okay. It's not about white. It's not about black. It's not about Jew. It's not about Greek. It's not about gay. It's about do we have enough respect for each other? Do we have a deeper understanding of our humanity that we will never go backwards but go forwards and build a new world for our children? Because Martin was doing it for our children. They were fighting for the young people. We don't even have young people in the streets now. They've brought this whole socialist narrative, this Black Lives Matter narrative, this radical left narrative, because we didn't teach them and give them the tools that were necessary for them to see what this is. So, so we, have a bigger, we have a big problem on our hands. So do you, do you think that there? Is, so let's talk about let's talk about the significance um, of the 
the steps of Lincoln Memorial is the Holy Grail. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you and I had this conversation. It's it's Holy Ground. Mm -hmm. You know, just think about it. Everybody's under the impression that the civil rights march of that day was the first one. It was not the first one. Mm -hmm. There was many marches in Washington about workers' rights. Abernathy, May, I mean, he was the one that really pushed that long before Martin, but because of all that work and because of all of the concentration on civil rights, because the world started to look at what was going on, that was the culmination of mm -hmm. all of those marches. Right. And, and, and Martin's role in there and that on that day was to bring it all together. You know, remember, people think that he spoke last because it was designed that way. No, there was a deep discussion that if you speak right. first, the press will be there. He spoke last and the world heard him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. The That's world heard him. And when the world heard him, they responded. Remember, John F. Kennedy they didn't want him to have the march. They said it would incite violence. Mm -hmm. The same thing that you see in January the 6th, the same language, you know, that they were using against black men and women that were fighting for, it's the same language they're using um, January the 6th. And they're cloaking it as, as something insidious and something horrible because a couple of people did something that they should not have done that day. But the whole focus of those people there was to bring a focus on saving the country from socialism, communism, capitalism, you know, communism, all of those isms that have always been felt, um, felt experience. So um, felt experiments. So Ma Martin was the key that unlocked the door for us to have a greater conversation about humanity. But we all forgot because we all became culture corrupt. We forgot about the struggle. We forgot about the fight. We forgot about the words. Majority of the people that quote Martin Luther King, I, I actually tell them to stop doing it. Like, stop. Because, you know, quoting him is not the thing. Living him, living what he said is the thing. Mm -hmm. And think about it. He was channeling Frederick Douglass, right? Frederick mm -hmm. Douglass on the 4th of July is brought there to talk about Independence Day. And Frederick Douglass walks in with his pious self and beautiful self and say, you mock me. And every time I see a post and every time I see a tweet and every time I see the radical left bastardize what he said to us and what he taught us, it's the same thing. You mocked me. My mm. people are still not free. My people are still trapped in poverty. My people still approaching the victim narrative. And black American leaders are doing it to their own people because they're lying, because they don't know anything about Martin Luther King. Well, but, we, but don't just blame it on the black leaders today. Bl you know, this no, is I'm I'm trying this to, corporate but, America. Well, this I know, but what, I'm trying to see, but, but what I'm trying to say, we have a, even more of a responsibility to get it right. We have, a, we have more of a responsibility. And the reason why I'm talking about black Americans, because I hope a black American is watching this mm -hmm. and saying, wait a minute, maybe he's on to something. Look what we've done to ourselves. Individually, we might be all right, but because you're an athlete, because you're an actor, those people don't stand for what Martin Luther King stood for. Those actors of their time, Sidney Poitier, uh, um, Harry Belafonte, everybody, they brought the world together. They brought Kennedy to the, that group of people and said, listen, we need to work together. Mm -hmm. Sammy Davis Jr. You know, mm -hmm. he was being vilified that part of his life because he married a white woman. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? But guess what? He sacrificed his whole life for the civil rights movement. The, the medical freedom movement 
is the civil rights movement of our time. So what do you what do you think has to happen? Because, I mean, there, there was an extraordinary uh, period in history that people I mean, and people need to understand this. Martin Luther King wasn't as popular as history has been to him when he was alive. He oh, was in some circles. You know right? that story. You know that story. Mm-hmm. His approval rating. He had the lowest approval rating ever. <laughs> and internally. They were having a big argument because people just wanted him to focus on civil rights when he wanted to focus on the next level of the civil rights discussion, which was fighting poverty. Everybody believes that the war was his the thing that brought him down. I don't believe that. I believe his understanding and his struggle and his vision for fighting against poverty, which would have linked blacks and whites together even more because right. the socioeconomics at that time was still the same. So how do you how do you feel um, when you hear just in the last week or so about um, the Biden administration linking Martin Luther King to the Voting Rights Act? I mean, when Kamala Harris comes out and she's focusing on that, because I agree with you, historically, Martin Luther King was huge about the poverty, huge about humanity, huge about giving people the right to work, the freedom to make a living. Um, and, and he talked about the, the impact on housing on people that are impoverished. Well, the, the whole voter, the thing that the, the, the thing that's I got to tell you, this is I'm, thank you for that question. That's a good question. Well, just think about it for a second. This voter voters rights narrative that they're building on the back of the civil rights movement is an atrocity. It is anti what they were fighting for, because 95 percent of black Americans vote for the radical left, vote for the Democratic Party to their demise. So black people don't have a problem showing their ID and verifying their signature and finding a location to vote in because they vote 95% of the time. What the radical left is starting to realize is that there are a lot of black Americans, right, that are starting to question their relationship with that party. This is not about race. This is not about the lack of capacity to go and vote. This is about the radical left trying to federalize the elections so they can continue to steal the elections at the local and state and national level to further push their grand design to rewrite the DNA of freedom. And this is a way for them to have other groups come in that are not legal citizens to take over the voting component that black Americans have given them because black Americans are not useful for them anymore. So this so is this is, a, this is an open doorway for more corruption and to um, uh, give illegal immigrants the opportunity to vote to replace the black votes to maintain absolutely control. absolutely without yep. question okay without question and for black Americans to wrap Jim Crow and to wrap the civil rights movement and to wrap the history of Martin Luther King and to wrap all of the things that we had to fight for and all of the sacrifice to suggest that we have a voting problem in this country is absolutely maximum sophisticated confusion. So looking towards the march, uh, it's on Sunday. Uh, you're one of the speakers. Um, you going last? You going first? No, actually, I'm supposed to be the one as of today and yesterday to set the tone for the day. So think about this. Martin was last, and for some apparent reason, I'm going to be first in setting the tone for the day. 
you know, reclaiming the legacy of the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Ida B. Wells and Paul Robeson, right? Reclaiming Fannie Lou Hamer's message, I'm a woman, I am a human. Reclaiming the message because it's been hijacked. It's been commercialized. So I the mean, commodity. So, so you're 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 going to focus on the fact that um, now everybody's commodified, uh, medically commodified, if they don't agree with Fauci's narrative. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so I, I think you know if I can capture that moment, that historical moment, when we we breathe life into this country and we brought this country together, it could be a magical moment for this movement in a sense. And I think people, when they come to that sacred ground of freedom, that they come with a deeper understanding that it's not about the science. It's about humanity. It's not about race. It's about humanity. It's not about class. It's about humanity. And we're fighting against a power and control narrative that we've seen before, but we have forgotten. And that also wants to destroy humanity. That's right. It's clearly when you when you when you have no choice on a risk. And it and and it's a Russian roulette game. That is like take that's like taking a bullet. Well, yeah. And remember, with no consequences, no consequences, no liability. Nobody's responsible, but you're forced to do it. Take it for the for, you know, for for humanity is what, you know, the Pope is even saying to people. Because he's not, he's not acknowledging the risks. There well, I is think, no I such thing as all, there's, there's no such truth to all vaccines are safe and effective for everyone. I don't think the Pope, I don't think the president of this country, I don't think majority of our elected leaders in this country aren't even thinking in that direction. I think they have just been captured. I think they're soulless. I don't think they have a sense of history. I think the Congress and the Senate and our local governments around the country and state governments have abandoned America. I think the corporate the corporate titans they've been working on this and feeding them and you know and uh, and and get fattening them up for this and that's why you don't have any banner voices in the marketplace fighting back because they've all been purchased even on the Republican side that they seem to be paying attention to the word liberty and freedom right but they could do even more and the reason they can't do it anymore because our political process in this country is deeply corrupt. I mean, it's deep. It's like ingrained. The corruption. Look, we have corruption in government. I've been in government all my life. I understand how it works. You know, I'm in and out of government, lobbying, in and out of government, doing that work. But never like this. Never like this. When the whole system is so corrupt, there's no beacon of hope stepping out in front of the, 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 the tanks and saying no more. You know, what, what I've noticed, Kevin, is that uh, there's a lot of people that talk around this, but they don't mention the Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Association. I think it's now called the Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Research Association, which is basically the trade association in D.C. for pharma. Right. Not just vaccines, but for drugs. And anybody who has been an observant, you know, of Washington, D.C. in politics knows that that's the elephant in the room because that is the elephant in the room that gives to both Republicans and Democrats. And according to those public uh, documents in 2020, they gave away $325 million. 
Well, look, they, they, they our, spent, I should say, on lobbying efforts. Okay? Our boards of education, our public unions, mm-hmm. our um, universities and colleges, um, the, the education cartel, the economic cartel, the globalist cartel, all of the agencies that we were once trusted as trusted sources, even if we had conflict with them, they've all been captured. The only thing that has not been captured are a small group of people in the world, millions of people in the world that are so dialed in and their frequency is so high and they are so conscious that they know that they have to fight for everyone. And the primary group that we have to fight for is our children. So so what do you think about the fact that uh, leading up to this week, Fauci is going to be speaking probably you know, via the Internet, but he's going to be addressing Davos in Switzerland. Well, right then and there, but he's, he's a representative of Davos. Mm-hmm. And all of those global tyrants, all of those economic forms were always designed to create one currency, you know, the social credit score. That's what the slave passport is all about. It's not about your health. And I think, I got to tell you, Christine, I think people are picking up on that. I think that they move so quick that people in this medical freedom movement and people in this country, we're fairly intelligent people when you really drill down. I mean, think about it. In all the cities that I've gone to, I don't think there's anyone in this country has been to many cities and states that I've been to talking about medical freedom, talking about family and faith, linking with people of all colors, talking to people from all socioeconomic um, um, areas, talking to people that are Christians, Muslims, and Jews, talking about how the church and the and the, the religious sector has abandoned us and they're part of the corporatocracy that we're fighting. So I, I, get, I get a sense of what people are thinking and people understand this better than we believe. And I think what we're doing is igniting something in them so they can continue. Well, they, they have to, people have to understand that the social card and a lot of people, you know, don't go to China. They don't go to Asia. They don't understand biometrics. Uh, but, but if you (laughs) explain to them that the, the healthcare passport is actually used as a social grading system, in China to get goods, to get food, uh, to, to restrict for freedoms and restrictions, then people go, oh, really? You know, they didn't, re- they don't, they can see that slippery slope of where it goes. <clears throat> Kevin, uh, what do you hope to take away from, from on Sunday at the march? That we send a loud message to the world that it is time to stand up and it's time to become the we as opposed to continuing to blame the they. And, you know, and and let me give you a little synopsis of that. You know, for the last two years being on the road, I kept hearing this word, they. They're doing this to us. They're masking Mm -hmm. our kids. They're taking our jobs. They're taking our land. They're destroying our cities. They're destroying our children. See, when you use the word they, you surrender your power. When you use the word they, you become a slave. When you use the word they, you are conquered. But when we say we, the power of we, we are going to come together. We are going to love each other. We are going to respect each other. We are going to stand up against these tyrants. That means you're taking your power back. That means that you are now, you now have a clear understanding of the power. When we get together, when we unify, like the civil rights movement or any other great movement of our time that broke the barriers of race, broke the barriers of class, something magical happens. So we have to become the we. You know, the we, we the people, you know, and I I started hearing that. And so a couple of weeks ago, I started changing my narrative. No more they, more we. 
more we. No rain. No more they, more we. Kevin Jenkins, see you in D.C. Because we're going to be covering it on see you in D.C. on Sunday as we well, cover. I love you. Okay. You too. Bye -bye.